Well, good morning. This is the number one movie so far of 2016 with a total box office take of more than $1.1 billion worldwide. It's amazing. And Captain America is the 12th movie in the uh, Avenger movie series. And uh, we have 12 more movies to look forward to. 12 more movies are planned in, uh, up through 2020. And if they keep making this kind of money, uh, well, we'll see a lot more of these movies. If you're not familiar with these series of movies, the Avengers is a league of superheroes that respond to the various amounts and really, honestly, the never-ending amount of evil that just keeps threatening the world. But in this movie, it's very unique from all of the other Avengers movie because the diabolical or evil plot is, is really the backdrop of a, of a larger and far more important question that this movie addresses. And this is the question, are the Avengers the best way to respond to evil in the world? To avenge means to <clears throat> inflict harm in return for the wrong done to oneself or another. And so true to their name, <clears throat> this is how the Avengers roll. Someone does them wrong or someone does the world wrong and then they go about inflicting harm in return. I mean, just think about it. A total of 24 Avenger movies. I don't know if you enjoy these. I, I, honestly, I'm getting a little tired of them. But, you know, as long as they keep breaking box office records, Marvel's just going to keep making them. And I, I think that partly these movies are so popular because they, they strike a chord deep inside of us. Well, I mean, we've all been wronged. And it really does feel good and right to see wrongdoers finally get what they deserve. And honestly, if we were Captain America, we might be doing some avenging of our own. But we're not. And what that means is often those who have done us wrong, they, well, they just go scot-free. And so for just two hours in the movie theater, we get to see the wrongdoers pay. And that feels good. But the problem with revenge is this. Revenge is a, is a very imprecise and clumsy weapon in the war against evil. And that really is the theme of, of this particular installment of the Avengers. I mean, sure, the bad guys pay a price in the process of you know, dealing with the evil, but in the, in the process of all that, all kinds of innocent people die in these movies. And that's the point that the American ambassador makes in that one scene you saw. What he goes on to say is, victory that costs innocent blood really is no victory at all. And the movie really is a, a thinly veiled metaphor for the debate that we honestly are facing in this world right now. How do, how do we deal with the evil in our world? What's the best way to respond to these things? And there's a debate about that. In fact, co-director of this movie, John Russo, says that the intent of the movie, from his perspective, was he wanted us to get arguing about who is right and wrong in this current debate. He wanted people leaving the theater and continuing the conversation about this larger debate in the world. What is the best way to respond to evil? But this morning, rather than debate, debate the geopolitical issues that, honestly, we get a vote in, but we really have very little say in what happens in this world, I thought it would be more helpful for us this morning to bring the question of revenge all the way down to the individual level. And that's because evil is best dealt with on the individual level, honestly, before it goes global. We are clearly not superheroes, but the damage that we do whenever we do wrong to someone or whenever we avenge the wrong that's done to us is still substantial. You multiply all of that individual wrong between people done over the world and you have people all over the world seeking revenge and damage. 
And in fact, you add all that up, and it's far more damage than any team of Avengers could ever do. So the question we're going to address this morning is, how should we personally respond to the wrong that's done to us? And our guide is going to be this morning, Romans 12, 17 through 21, out of the New Testament. So let me read these verses as we get going here. Romans 12, verse 17. It says, Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, according to these verses, revenge has three significant problems whenever it responds to evil. Problem number one is revenge multiplies evil. It, it doesn't, doesn't stop it. It doesn't reduce it, it. It expands the amount of evil in the world. The opening and closing statements of this passage are both connected. The opening statement, which says, do not repay anyone evil for evil, is the what of the passage. This is the theme. This is, this is what we are to do. Do not repay evil for evil. The why is at the very end. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If you repay evil for evil, you're going to be overcome by evil. And evil in the end is going to win. You see, if you respond to the wrong that's done to you by doing wrong to someone else, how are they going to respond? Well, the same way that you responded. They're going to want revenge just like you did. And the cycle is just going to keep on going and going and going until you are both completely overcome by evil. What started as one wrong, one evil, now suddenly has become a whirlwind of evil, and it sucks more and more people into its vortex. Now, the the bad guy, the villain in this movie, turned evil when the Avengers inadvertently killed his family while avenging the past evil villain. And that's the point of the movie is you can't ever surgically remove evil from the world without causing all kinds of collateral damage and therefore other people who are, are stung by wrong and evil and they want revenge. Now the problem for us on an individual level is revenge never feels like evil, does it? It feels like justice. It feels like this is the right thing given what they've done to me. But justice and vengeance are two very different things. They, they feel similar, but the way they go about responding to wrong is very, very different. Justice administers the appropriate rewards or punishment for what's been done. That's, what just, that's the definition of justice. So, for example, whenever a wrong is done, that, that incurs a debt. A, a payment must be made to compensate for the wrong that's been done. The challenge when it comes to justice is determining what exactly that payment should be. I mean, every once in a while, the payment's very obvious. You know, if someone steals $100 from me, well, justice is very clear. They owe me $100. That's very, very clear. But most of the wrong that's done in the world is not near as clear as that. For example, what, what does a company owe you for manufacturing an unsafe product that's injured you? Well, that's a... That's a complex question. What what payment should you get in return for that wrong? Or what does a drunk driver owe for taking a life? 
Now, our justice system is a very elaborate set of laws and, honestly, formulas in some cases that are used to answer these questions. And it's a process that represents the entire society. It's not just an individual. It represents the culture that's bringing about the justice. And it involves a large number of people over a long period of time with cool heads who examine the evidence to determine guilt or innocence and then determine what the payment should be. But even with all of those people and all of that effort and all of the time that goes into the justice system, it's still pretty much impossible to get the payment exactly right. For the person who's been wrong to feel, you know what, that, that was perfect. I, I feel completely whole now. That almost never happens. And that's because the payment isn't in the same form as the debt. You know, a drunk driver who has taken a life, maybe goes to jail, pays a fine. But how honestly could any amount of money or any time in jail pay for a life that's been taken? Well, it can't. Human justice is very slow, and it's very imprecise. It's very imperfect. But honestly, it's pretty much the best we can do right now in responding to the wrong that's been done to us. The problem is when we personally take on the case of justice, we do far worse than our justice system does. And that's because when we avenge a wrong, we are not calm and cool and collected. We're angry. And we're not taking a long period of time to really weigh things out. We're, we're reacting in anger. And so we often miss the important facts. And, and as we strike back, we often strike back too hard or imprecisely. And whenever we do avenge, it's, it's just us seeking justice. It's not the larger society. So the payment that we exact always feels personal when it's revenge. You see, it's very different, let's say, for example, from the state fining someone $1,000 for a wrong done than you stealing $1,000 from someone who's done you wrong. In one case, it, it represents the entire culture that's saying, look, you've done wrong and you now are fined $1,000. But in the other case, it's very personal. You're taking $1,000 from them. And so what happens with revenge is it often oversteps the line of justice. It often exacts a payment that's far greater than the wrong that's been done. And that's, whenever you do that, you exact a payment that's more than the wrong that you've done, the difference between what would justice would have been and what you ended up doing beyond that line, the difference between those two is wrong, evil. Now, you've done wrong yourself in the attempt to make the wrong done to you right. You've just done to them what they've done to you, maybe in a different form, but the same kind. You've wronged them, and you've added more evil to the matter. This is why when you exact revenge, the recipient almost never will respond by saying, you know, that's about right. That seems fair. Given what I've done to you and now what you've done to me, I, I think we're even. Even, Stephen, let's just, you know, we're done. You, you nailed it. I mean, you, you, you paid me exactly what was owed me. That never happens whenever you go about exacting personal revenge. The response is always that you now have wronged them, and now they must respond. So if, if we want to, as this verse says, overcome evil with good, this isn't going to work. 
We have to reduce, not increase, the amount of evil that is done. And that starts with you and me and how we personally respond to the wrong that's done to us. What it says in this passage, it gives us more instruction. It says we, we need to be very careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Now that's, well, let's just be honest, that's impossible. First of all, it's impossible to do what is right all the time. I mean, we're sinful people. With the help of Jesus Christ, we, we can grow and we can become better over time, but my understanding is the last day I'm on this planet, I'm probably sinning on my way out with my thoughts or words. I mean, it's just, it's just really, really hard to do what's right. And then to do what is right in the eyes of everybody? Well, that's, that's, that's very impossible. Because people can make their own personal desires the standard of what is right and wrong when in fact it isn't. What God says the standard is is the standard, and what we think is not necessarily right. And so it's very easy for someone to be upset with you and feel wronged by you when in fact you didn't wrong them. But what this is saying is we need to work hard at this. We need to work hard at doing what is right. And we need to work, work hard at, at, at doing what is right before other people. And the reason is because every single wrong has a ripple effect. It, it starts an avalanche of wrongdoing. It starts an avalanche of, of evil. So our goal, as it goes on to say, is if it's possible, as far as it depends on us, live at peace with everyone. Now, that phrase at the beginning, if it's possible, is, is a clear indication that, you know, it's not always possible. But that doesn't mean we just throw up our hands and say, well, I'm not even going to try. No, 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 no. Every time you cross the line and you do someone wrong, it triggers a whole dominoes, a whole domino set of wrongs done. You know, honestly, people are going to feel wrong when they aren't, but to the extent that we can, we need to do everything that we can to honestly live at peace with people. Now, this, this is not just a nice-sounding theory, you know, kind of God sending instructions from heaven and saying, good luck with that. No, God himself took on a body and actually did this. Jesus faced one of the most incredible injustices that's ever been faced. I mean, he was absolutely sinless. He, he pulled this off. He did right all the time. And yet, he was really railroaded and the, the crowds turned against him and the justice system was used as a vehicle to, for them to avenge and some leaders to avenge Jesus and what they thought he was representing as a threat to them and he was crucified. Now, please understand, Jesus was not just some individual, some small person like you or me standing up against a whole justice system that was turned against him. Now, Jesus was God in flesh. I mean, he, he could have responded, and his response, well, it would have made the Avengers look like lightweights. But he didn't. He responded on the cross, actually, by offering forgiveness to those who were nailing him to the cross. So this, this is not just a theory, an idea that, hey, try it. No, no, no. God says, let, let me show you how committed I am to this approach. I, I'm going to take on a body, and I'm going to do this myself. This is a very shocking thing. So what does that mean? Does that mean we're just supposed to let evil flourish? Just let people get away with the wrong that they've done? I mean, is it... Is it never right to have a war? Should we have just let Hitler kind of roll through Europe and however far he wanted to go in the world and just never oppose him? 
Of course not. It's a very naive and foolish approach to evil. Sometimes wars are necessary. They're, they're very much like the justice system. It's, it's a very imperfect approach, but sometimes it's the best we can do as a society and as a world. But the big problems of this world are, are never solved politically. Jesus is not talking here about what governments should do. This is talking about you and me, the grassroots level. Because the significant problems of the world cannot be solved politically. They're never solved on the battlefield. They're never solved in the courtroom. It's just the, the very best sometimes that can be done to restrain evil from just taking the whole world over and from Hitler's running everything. A war is never going to solve the problem of evil. A just trial is never going to be the last thing said on that wrong done. It just goes on. So God's plan is designed to take hold at the, at the grassroots level and change the world from the bottom up. One person at a time, one wrong done and responded rightly to at a time. It has the power to change everything. But in order for that to happen, you and I have to stop trying to make people pay personally for the wrong they've done to us. Iron Man said it well. I normally don't quote Iron Man, but he said this. <laughs> he said, we need to be put in check. If we, accept, if we can't accept limitations, we're no better than the bad guys. Captain America didn't agree with him, and therefore we had the Civil War of the movie. You see, revenge will eventually turn the good guys into the bad guys. And it will just keep taking over people's lives and consuming this world. So revenge always multiplies evil. The second problem with revenge is revenge always gets in the way. It just gums things up. What does it get in the way of? Well, when we, we take revenge, it appears that evil is winning. That's why we take revenge. It looks like no one's doing anything, so, well, we better do something. You know, if the justice system was working, we wouldn't have to get involved. But I don't know what your experience has been. It's a hit and miss proposition. It's the best justice system in the world, but it's expensive. And it takes a long time, and it doesn't always get it right. So if the justice was working, then we, we could just stand by and say, let that thing hum along but it doesn't always work. Why? Well, justice, it turns out, is not God's top priority right now. Isn't that surprising? It's not his top priority. It is ours, but it's not his. I mean, one day it will be his top priority, but not now. Here's what he says. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Leave room. I mean, honestly, if you look around, it looks like there's plenty of room, right? I mean, if I tell my wife at some point, hey, you know, honey, just leave all those dishes for me. I'm going to do them. And then I don't do them. It kind of weakens that leave the dishes for me to do statement. It only makes sense for me to say leave those dishes if I actually do the dishes. And if I keep saying, you know, just leave that, I'll do it, and leave that, and I'll do it, and leave that, and I'll do it, and I never do any of those things. What's, what's she going to do in addition to rightfully getting frustrated with me? She's going to say, well, if you're not going to do it, 
Doesn't matter what you say. I'm just going to have to do it. Somebody has to do this. And that's really what we do when we begin to exact revenge. We're looking around and saying, hello, God's not doing anything about this. Years have gone on. This person is getting away with it. They're actually doing better and better because of the wrong they've done to me. And God, heaven doesn't seem to be interested in this case at all. So we just need to take matters into our own hands. We step in. But whenever we put our Avenger capes on, what we're really doing is we're getting in the way of God's top priority, which is mercy. God's top priority right now is mercy, not justice. God says right now he is slow to wrath. Now, when it comes to us, we're very grateful, but when it comes to other people, we're not so grateful about that sometimes. God really is saying, you know what, when it comes to justice, I'll get around to it. Just wait. I'm slow to justice. He's honestly slower sometimes than our justice system. Well, why not justice now? I mean, whenever someone wrongs you, is that something that you're going to get around to eventually? No, if you're like most of us, you got a hair trigger on that one. I mean, someone steps in front of you in the line at the grocery store this afternoon, it's like, <clears throat> I mean, right now, justice must occur. I mean, we're, it's our top priority. It moves to the top of our list. But why, why is it not for God? Well, it's because God's first preference is for them and for you and for all of us to repent, to actually come to our senses, turn around so that he can offer us mercy. And the reason this is so important for God is because God, unlike us, God knows that real justice is far worse than anything we can imagine. I mean, we're, we're busy you know, trying to right all the little wrongs, and God says, you, you have no idea how deeply you've wronged me, and the consequences of that mean banishment from me forever. And that is a horror you do not want. Trust me, God says, you, you don't want justice to be my top priority. It's much better if we would just admit our sin and ask for the forgiveness that he offers through his son, Jesus Christ. But that that requires time and that requires space for us to come to our senses and turn to him. And so for now, God is slow when it comes to justice because he is creating the space that's needed for mercy to occur. That's his top priority. And he says, I invite you to join me on this. If you go on your own Avenger Vendetta, then you're, you're getting in the way of my plan. Now, you can't ruin my plan, but Get out of the way. Leave room. See, the reason the justice system doesn't appear to be working that well is because it's only a temporary solution. It, like wars, kind of the best sometimes that we can do, and it's never really good. The final solution will occur when God wraps up history and he himself sits on the throne of justice and at that point makes every wrong right. At that time, Payment will be exacted for every single wrong that is done. And there will only be two payment plans available. Either we will pay personally the eternal price for the wrong that we've done, or we will have accepted the payment that Jesus made on our behalf. Those are the only two payment options that are available. When justice, when the day of justice arrives, as Scripture refers to it as the day of the Lord, When that happens, there's only two options. And 
This most important of decisions can only be made in advance of the final day of payment. You have to decide before you leave this life which payment plan you're on. The reason, because when God takes his seat on the throne of justice, it's going to be like any courtroom. At that point, it's not about choosing what to do or not to do. It's about what are the consequences for what you've already chosen. This is why mercy is God's top priority right now. He knows that the day of justice is coming. He knows every wrong, no one's going to get away with anything. Every wrong will be exacted a payment for. And his preference is that we accept the tremendous price his son paid for us rather than allow the tremendous price that we must pay forever for our own sin. So now is the only window of time in which mercy can be offered. So what God is saying here is just, just get out of the way. Just set aside your personal vendettas. Your, they cut me off in line all the way up to they stole money from me. You know, if you can go to the justice system and get justice, that's fine. But don't turn it into a personal vendetta. Leave room. Let the courts restrain evil as best they can until God's priority shifts from mercy to justice. And then the third problem with revenge is this. Revenge misses an opportunity. It misses an opportunity. It strikes out and blows one of the greatest opportunities of all. Whenever someone does you wrong, you have just been handed a tremendous opportunity. Now, it feels to you like a tremendous opportunity to strike back, but that's not the opportunity. The opportunity is this. Because they have done you wrong, they just might feel bad enough about what they've done to come to their senses. And if that sinks in, they might just see that they haven't only done you wrong, but they've also done wrong to the God who created both you and them. And that moment represents an opportunity for them to do business with God and for them to turn to Christ and receive his mercy. But whenever you exact revenge, it shatters that chance. It shouts, hey, look at me and my fist coming back at you. And that's all they see. And then they respond, and we're back to that spiral. This is why it says here in Romans 12, on the contrary, as opposed to vengeance, do this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing so, in doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Well, the last part, that sounds good, right? That, that sounds like justice, burning coals on the head of someone who's done me wrong. But understand, this is a metaphor here. This is not a method of torture that's being described. It's a phrase used to describe, basically, you know, put pressure on them, add heat, add pressure to that person. The idea is that you have an opportunity now to, to expose them and the wrong that they've done. You see, what revenge provides for the wrongdoer is perfect cover for the wrong that they've done. It's perfect cover. Whenever someone does me wrong and I strike back in vengeance, whether it's verbal or there's any kind of action attached to it, they, they no longer have to think about, oh, maybe I did something wrong because now I'm doing wrong to them. And their attention can be completely focused on responding to my wrong. And now they feel justified. And so the, the opportunity, if, if I would have just stopped and done nothing, there would have been an opportunity for them in the silence of the echo of their wrong reverberating around, they, they might just possibly have seen, well, you know what, I think I, I, I think I did wrong. 
and they might come to their senses. But now that you've responded by doing wrong to them, their own wrong is covered up in the, the smoke screen of what you're doing. But if you respond not only by not taking revenge on them, but instead doing the exact opposite of what they expect, you do something good to them, well, their cover's completely blown now. And they're totally exposed. I mean, there's a chance, if you just, if you just don't exact revenge, there's a chance they might come to their senses. Probably not. But if not only the silence, but now instead of just silence, you respond by doing something kind and helpful to them, well, that's, that's so bizarre and so weird that it's, it's going to get them, what in the world? It's the best chance that they might have of seeing what's really going on inside their own heart. Feeding and giving your enemy something to drink, they're just two suggestions. This is not two things on a complete list. This is just, hey, here, here's a couple things you might do to help someone out who's your enemy, who's done you wrong. I mean, go ahead, get creative. Trying to think of what you can do to be of real help to someone who's wronged you. Trust me, it's the, it's the last thing they're expecting. I mean, if it is a cup of water and you, they're, they're going to be, you know, what, what is it, poison? What, you, they're not, they're not, they, don't, they expect revenge. They don't expect kindness. They don't expect help. But if you want to hold up a mirror to someone, then respond to their wrong by doing them good. Don't say anything. Don't, as you're handing the cup of water, say, by the way, the purpose of this is so you might see how awful you are. Enjoy this. No, no, that, again, that's going to ruin it. Just, just be quiet. Hold your tongue. And trust me, it's the hardest thing to say to someone who's done you wrong. I mean, you want to inject little side jabs and little, you know, but just, just be quiet and be of real help. You see, because they have to see it for themselves. You can't, you're the last person that can tell them that they've done wrong. They, they have to see it for themselves. They have to see what they've done. Now, let me be clear. This is not being a doormat and letting people, you know, walk all over you and you deciding, okay, my life is a blank check. You fill in and I'll do whatever you want me to do. That's not at all what this is talking about. This is talking about something far more powerful than that. This is talking about not, not doing what they want you to do, not doing what you want to do, but doing what Jesus might want you to do. This, is, this, is, this requires not only tremendous restraint, but tremendous thought and courage to think, okay, they haven't asked me to do this, but I think if I did this, it would be a real help to them. I'll do this. They haven't asked me to do it. I sure don't want to do it. But in the spirit of what Jesus did, this is what I'm going to do. It's a, it's a move of tremendous strength and courage. It's a surprise move, something they would have never expected, given how they've treated you. And in doing so, do you know what you're doing? You are overcoming evil with good. That's what this passage is talking about. Revenge does the opposite. It overcomes good with evil. At the end of the movie, if you've seen this movie, the newest Avenger to the group, the Black Panther, is about to exact revenge on the villain. And this, this is what he says at the very end of the movie. He says, vengeance, speaking to the man he's about to kill, saying, vengeance has consumed you and it has consumed me. That's a great picture of what revenge really does. You don't just dabble in revenge. It will consume you. It will consume your heart, and it will drag you and all of those you touch into the dark. So don't, as this passage, don't climb on the throne of your own personal justice 
and distract people from the fact that in the end, they're going to stand before the throne of God's justice, not yours. In the end, it's not going to be you sitting on some throne and everyone who's done you wrong coming to you to make right. No, no, in the end, it's going to be God sitting on the throne of justice and we'll be in the crowd. And we will be grateful for the mercies offered in Christ. And if we haven't accepted that offer, it'll be a grief beyond understanding. So as the last verse says, Romans 12, 20, do, do not be overcome by evil. And this takes tremendous help from God and strength and courage. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. If this could ripple at a grassroots level throughout the world, imagine the impact that could be made. It'd be tremendous. So let me give you some next steps to take this from this morning out into your life. These are on the back of your connection card, the upper left-hand corner, the bottom of also of your listening guide. Number one, I would encourage you just to memorize this short verse, Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Short verse, powerful. I encourage you to memorize that. Number two, make your Avenger list. Now, here's what I mean by this. If you were an Avenger, just create a target list for yourself, okay? Who, honestly, who would be on it? If you were Captain America, if you were Iron Man, who, who would you visit first and in what order? Now, don't linger too long on this. I know you've already come up with two, okay? Just go ahead and fill out the list. Who, who would be on your Avenger list? And then number three, with those people on your list, make a burning coal list. What can you do to help those? So, so put their names, and then next to them, what, what could you do? I recommend not something they demanded of you. Don't do that. That's just becoming a doormat. Do something that would be real kind and real helpful to them. Just make a burning coal list right next to your Avenger list. And then start working through your list. Let me pray. Father, we, um, we are so grateful for your mercy. We do not deserve it, but you have offered it. And it's not just you kind of pretending as if the wrong that we have done or the wrong that's been done in general is, is not a big deal. No, you, you, you exacted justice when your son Jesus paid the price, the just price for our wrong. And now we have an option of going, going off scot-free for the wrong that we've done. And I pray that for those in this room who have yet to get on that payment plan, that they would decide today that they don't want to stand before you and pay for their own wrong with their own, their own eternities, but they want, to, they want to trust in you, Jesus. And for those of us who have made that decision, I pray that you'd help us as we move forward in this week and wrong is done to us, that we would remember how much we've been forgiven so that we might be agents of overcoming evil with good rather than allowing evil to overcome us. Give us real clarity in this. Help us to understand what we need to do in this matter. We pray this now in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.